thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, we're in a series in the summer called the uh, Psalms of Summer, and we're in Psalm 34 today. Um, In Psalm 34, David finds himself (laughs) at not a real good place in his life. It, you could say he's not, a, he's not having a good day, a week, month, year here. And, you know, when you look at David's life, and as we unpack Psalm 34, <clears throat> for many of us this past week, because of some circumstances that happen, we find ourselves maybe not at a good place. Maybe not at a good place as a country uh, either. But, but, but there's so much in 34 because there's so much we can learn from Psalm 34 because David finds himself in this place, but it's not that he finds himself in this place, it's what he does in this place. And that's the key. It's not, it's not whether we have disappointment, tough days, bad times, things we can't handle, things that don't go our way, tests that don't come out well. All this stuff, it's not that we don't have them. We have them. Jesus told us, you're going to have them. It's not what, what we do because we have them. It's what we do when we have them. Where do we go? What do we do? What's it produce in us? How, what happens in us? And, and that's what David finds himself. I mean, understand here, he pretends to be insane. I mean, he's he just messed up right here, Okay. He's messed up, and I want us to walk us through it. I broke it in four different categories, and I want us to look at this. And, and I titled it an attitude of gratitude because when it's all said and done, you're going to see that we got a lot to be thankful for, and we got a lot to appreciate about. I want you to look at Psalm 34 with me. We'll look at verses 1 through 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted, afflicted of the, hear the, and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us extol his name together. What I want you to see in the first three verses are, I titled them David's worship. See, David's not in a good place right here, but he goes into this psalm and he cannot help. But from the well that springs for eternal life, he might not want to start this way. He's probably not thinking this, but he can't help it because inside of him comes the cry and comes the well that springs up to eternal life within David and the invitation for us to join him in praise. There's an invitation in every struggle you face. Every problem, every roadblock, every disappointment, everything that happens that you don't like, you wouldn't dreamed it, you don't want it to happen, you wish it hadn't happened, but I'm going to tell you, there's an invitation at every one of those spots. And here's the invitation. Curse God or praise him. That's it. I mean, that's it. Shavak, Meshach, and Abednego said, I know My God can. That's not the question. But even if he doesn't, I will not bow a knee. My friends, let me say something to you. 
what, what has happened to us as a country is disappointing. But also <laughs> a great opportunity. Because I believe you're going to see the best of the best and the best of the church in the days ahead. It's almost like we wanted the government to do something for us, to make it easy, to do what we were commissioned and commanded to do in the Bible. It says if my people, not my government, the government will always be upon his shoulders. That's a promise to us. But my question is, are we, his people, going to rise up? See, we're the bride of Christ. He's coming back to get the bride of Christ, you and me and the church. So don't, why, why do we need the government to make it easy for the church? There, there's going to be persecution on the church in the last days. If you didn't think that, you didn't read Scripture. You, you, it's going to happen. So here's the invitation. David doesn't find himself in a good place. We as a country may not find ourselves in a good place right now. You as an individual, based on circumstances, situations where you find yourself today, it might not be good for you. But there's an invitation. The question is now, what do we do with the invitation? Do we praise him or do we curse him? Does this produce more of us? Does it, does it produce character in us? Does the cream rise to the top or do we realize there is no cream? Because we're about to find out. And we won't have to be told what it looks like. We will be able to visually see what it looks like. I want you to look at verses 4 through 7. I call this David's witness. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Here's the question this morning. Who do you call to? Who do you call to? Jesus has a phone number. It's called Jeremiah 33.3. He says he called on the Lord, and he heard me, and he answered me. Who are you calling on today? Who are you calling on? Your job, your salary, retirement, benefit package? Facebook, Twitter. I mean, what are we calling on? I mean, because I'm telling you, folks, if you're not in love with the word, the coming days are going to force you to fall in love with the word. You've got to get, you've got to really understand that's where you've got to run to because it's not going to make sense if you don't run there. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be, you're going to feel downtrodden. You're going to feel complexed. It, it's going to look foggy. It's going to be gut shots to you. You're, you're going to look like a wet pretzel in a fight. You, you, you're going to have to run as a king's kid to the table of the Lord. And when you run there, mm, 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 you will be satisfied like the kings, like the kings, man. Where do you run to? Who do you call on? Where do you go? I mean, I know we need friends and we need people to talk to. And that's a good thing. But don't run there first. 
run to him first. Always run to daddy before you run to friends. Because you may never have to even go to your friends. Okay? Because your daddy says, sit in my lap, child. I know. I know you're scared. I got you. I know there's times you doubt. But I got this. And that's where we got to go. David does not find himself in a good place. But he goes to a good place. It's not where we find ourselves. It's where we go out of that place. Let's keep rolling because I got a lot to unpack. David's witness. Look at 8, verse 8. 8 through 14, some rich stuff in here. Taste mm, and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, you, his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever, whoever you lo- whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongues from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn your evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I want you to look at some stuff here. David's wisdom. Verse 8, he says, taste. Mm. Taste. Verse 9, he says, fear. Verse 11, he says, come. Verse 13, he says, keep. Verse 14, he throws a bunch in there. Turn, do, seek, pursue. You see what he's trying to say here? Run to me. Come to me. Run to me. Come to me. Seek me. Pursue me. Taste me. No other thing will satisfy you. He is over and over and over and over again saying, don't look for anything else to satisfy you. Don't. It won't. And sometimes when we're not in a good place, we run to places that we think might help us, but they don't help us. They enable us to continue to drift further. You got to run to the table of the Lord. You got to taste that the Lord is good. Look at verse 8. He says, blessed. What does blessed mean? Blessed means to be happy and content. Are you content today? Are you at peace today? Jesus is not about our happiness. Happenings make us happy. Jesus says, I'll give you joy, and my joy will be complete. You will be content. Be content. Verse 9 says, look at this, fear the Lord, and you will lack nothing. Mm. Fear the Lord, you saints, and you will lack nothing. How many of us want to lack nothing? How many of us can say today, I lack nothing? I'm sorry, but what I see more than anything is a need for more. More, more, more. More. You say, well, that lost people, that's just all they do. No, I'm not seeing that out of lost people only. All right? It's if we got more, bigger, better, newer, faster, whatever, we're going to be more content. No, you're not. You just got more toys to distract you from the word. That's just the truth. It's just the way it is today. 
I want to spend a little time in verse 10. Interesting way he writes this. Look at who he uses in the food chain here. The lions, I'm just going to tell you, if I had to be in the food chain, I kind of want to be a lion. How many people want to be lions? I, I don't know that I want to be an antelope, you know, and that doing too good. Now, hippo is a hippo, a bad dude, dude. Hippo will mess you up and don't think they're not fast. They're big, but they can outswim you. Don't cross that river. A hippo catch you in a heartbeat. All right? But I'm telling you, I want to be a lion. Watch all those shows. You watch those kind of shows about wildlife and killing and all that stuff. You watch it like you watch NASCAR. You watch NASCAR for wrecks. You watch that stuff so you see where the lions catch those people. <laughs> Just devour them. Ooh, he caught him. Well, he's always doing it. Lions can find food, dude. I mean, everybody else is going to be hungry, but that lion won't be hungry. Because the last cat that's hungry, the lion will eat you. I mean, that's what lions do. They don't, they don't run out of food supply. But what he says is, the lion mm, will even grow weak and hungry. See, here's what he wants you to see here. But those who seek the Lord like no good thing. See, you, you can devour all that the world and life has. But when it's all said and done, you're still going to be hungry. You're still going to be hungry, man. You, 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 you can take all you got. You can eat it all. But in the end, you're still going to be lacking. You won't be satisfied. You won't be content. The woman at the well had five husbands and living with a man. And Jesus said, do you, do you want to be full? Do you want to stop having to keep coming here? Because I can give you a well that springs up to your eternal life that daily you can draw from. And nothing else you're looking for is going to get it done. My friend, even the lion who never runs short of food, will finally grow weary and hungry. But those who taste that the Lord is good, those who seek the Lord, those who run after the Lord, those who pursue the Lord, those who put their hope in the Lord, those who, who are passionate and come to the Lord's table daily will never lack anything. What are you looking for in this world? What are you running to to be satisfied. If it's not the king, you're going to leave hungry. You're going to run out of energy. He is the energy drink. He is your Gatorade, my friend. He is. Look at verse 11. I want you to catch this real quick. If you don't catch this, you'll just pass right by it. Verse 11 says this. Come, and who's the cry to? My children. Goodness gracious. What an invitation. Come, my children, and what? Listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What an invitation from the Lord. Come, and not only just come, not like just come, but he says, come, my child, come. It's almost a plea. It's almost like he's saying, please stop running. You look, you quit, you're tired, you're wore out, you're hungry. 
you're, you're not content. You're not at peace. You're, your life is racing. Your life is a wreck. Your life is exhausting. Stop. Please stop, child, and come and listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to go back to Psalm 1. I think voices in our life are very important. And in Psalm 1, you can bridge that with 3411. Come, my children, and listen to me. Here's some other voices we can listen to. They're not good. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Listen to what, listen to what counsel is. Counsel is advice. Come, my child, and listen to whom? Me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go over here and listen to them because they're going to give me some advice. Mm-mm. Be careful. The advice that we need as the king's kid is from the king. Be careful where you're getting your advice, your counsel. It says, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. You know what that means? That means simply, if you stand, you're hovering. Let me tell you what happens to you if you hover. If they were shooting off a bottle rocket and they said, dude, you might want to move, and you hover, mm, you're going to take that in the chest. All right? you got to move. If you hover too long and stay too long, you're going to get in trouble. Because what happens is we become, we, we, we begin to act out behavior of those we stand with or stand around. They begin to pollute us. Jesus said, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful that when you're tempted, he will provide a way out. That means get the fat out. That means when you see a situation, you don't go, well, I've had seven quiet times and I'm going to hum a praise course because I'm not going to give in. You're going to give in. You're going to give in. I don't care if you've had seven quiet times in a row and you can quote John 3, 16. I don't give a fat. I'm just telling you right now, you can't do that. You can't stand in that seat right there. You can't stand with them. But who are you getting counsel from? Who are you standing with? Look what else he says. Or sit in the seat of mockers. See, what now what happens is we, we have advice from them, and, and, and we go, oh, okay. And now we hover with them, and we just, we hover so long now, we sit with them. And here's what happens when you sit with them. You take position with them. Our mental attitude with them. God can't do that. Yeah, God can't do that. God's a bad God. God is a bad God. If God is such a great God, why does that happen? Yeah, why does that happen if God's such a great God? Universities? Well, he was such a great Christian kid from a great home until he went off to college. Hmm. Well, yes. But what happened was he hovered. He stood, now he sits, and what happens is, finally, you become them. Because you, where do you go for counsel? Where are you going to? The invitation says, come, my child, and listen to me. They're not listening to him. They're listening to all these other voices. 
There's a lot of voices out there, my friend. And see, you find yourself in a position where those voices tickle your ears. But don't let your ears be tickled. You better make sure your heart's rock solid. You better guard that mind with the helmet of salvation because that junk will get in there. And before long, that junk gets in here and gets in your ears. It penetrates your hearts and begins to direct your steps. And you can't let that happen. Because you've got to come, my child, and listen to me. We're rolling. All right. Last little bit, 15 through 22. 15 to 22. Listen to what he says to us. My eyes, the eyes of the Lord, are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory mm, (laughs) of them from the earth. Mm. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foe of the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Mm. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Here's the two overarching questions of Psalm 34. To put it all out there in 22 verses, two questions. Where do you run to and do you really trust God? That's it. Where do you run to and do you really trust God? You say, yeah, the world doesn't trust God. I'm not talking to the world. I think the question today is for the church. I know conceptually you're supposed to trust God. I know that you trusted God in salvation, and now you're saved, and so your eternity is heaven. But do you really trust the Lord? Do you trust him? In America, I don't know that we understand what trusting the Lord means. The children of Israel are walking through the wilderness, and manna falls from heaven. If we need manna, we'll go to Walmart. Well, I'm not trusting God there. I trust the gas station for gas, my car to crank, and Walmart to have what I want. I don't know God's even in that equation. Well, I pray when I eat. Well, that's good. That's good. But do you trust God? Because for many of us, we don't really trust God. Do you really trust him? Because Psalm 34, he finds himself not in a good place. The invitation is to come to me. The question this morning is, when you don't find yourself in a good place, what do you run to? Who do you call on? And then when you get there, do you really trust him? Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. As we move to a time of invitation, that's what I want you to kind of ponder on this morning. I'm sorry, but, but where do you run to? And do you trust God? Where do you run to? 
and do you trust God? I want you to pray with me. Father, this morning, Father, Psalm 34 is rich for us, man. But God, the overarching questions in Psalm 34 is simply this. The invitation is there. But when we receive that invitation, where do we run to? Who do we call upon? And God, if the redeemed is always saved, your servants always redeemed for those who take refuge in you, are we really trusting you? Is our refuge in you? God, I pray that we as the bride of Christ, we as the little church will always be a people that run to you first and trust you completely. Father, this morning during this invitation time, if that's not where we are, God, I pray you drive us to the altar this morning. May we come to a place in our lives that we simply run to you and that we trust you, God. God, whatever you need to do during this invitation time, I pray, Father, that we are obedient to you. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. Father, thank you. Move us now. In Jesus' name.